Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 165, week 165, volume 165, number fucking 165. Hang on guys, how's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is Trey from Mouth for War, and that will be coming up later in the show. Nothing really to kick off with except a big shout out and a lot of love for all of you listening. Whether you're a new listener or an OG listener, I love you all, I appreciate you all and I notice you all. Thank you everyone for constantly consuming the content. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. So enough of the ramblings, let's kick into the main part of the show. This week I had Trey from Mouth for War on the show and the first thing I gotta say thank you so very, very, very much dude for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. So who are Mouth for War? For those unaware or uneducated, they are a band that has one album and one EP to their name. Style-wise, it's bruising beatdown hardcore. Mouth for War are a band that you definitely need to keep tabs on. They are a hot upcoming band and they're a band that you're going to notice a lot more of coming up in the next year or two. So make sure you jump on board and get into this band. This was relaxed. This was a great chat. It's in-depth. It's comfortable. It's fun. I love it. I hope you do too. That chat with Trey is coming up now. So everyone gets the start-off question the same. And that is not a heavy band, but a band that when you were young opened your world to music existing. Um, it's hard to think back to the the very first band because my my family definitely fed me a lot of music from an early age. But I can say the first band that made me at a young age want to play music and be a part of it was probably Green Day. Nice. What about Green Day? Was it was it were you kind of just a punk kid? Was it the skating? I mean, what brought you into the world of Green Day? Um, at the time, I mean, I was young enough to still be like a child, pretty much. But um, I did like skateboarding and stuff. My mom actually just worked at Best Buy one time, and I guess that she heard me say I liked a song on the radio. I didn't even know who it was, and she brought me American Idiot. I was like, "What's that?" She's like, "It's your favorite band." I was like, "I don't know what you're talking about." And went and put it in and. It actually was. <laughs> so from that point, I mean, that's the early kind of spark that ignites. But what were you like as a kid with discovering music, apart from what you're hearing on radio and what you're being fed? I mean, are you were you a kid that went out of your way to discover bands? Definitely. Um, we didn't have internet or anything at my house, but we had a library that my mom would let me go hang out on, and I would just uh, get on YouTube and download anything that someone told me about a lot of times it was my older stepbrother that he would he's like i'm too cool to go to the library like will you get these songs for me and he would give me a big list of songs that i'd I'd never heard before and that was things like seosan a day to remember like a lot of emo into metalcore bands that i had never heard anything like that before i was going there to download different stuff so that was probably a huge influencer on that too so um at what stage do you think that your musical taste started developing into more than just a passion and it started developing into something you wanted to pursue honestly uh, it was definitely pretty early Uh, my grandpa started buying me musical gear when i was probably like eight years old so i always played guitar from that point um and uh 
I, I can say as long as I can remember, I, I've wanted to play music at live or be in a band at least, but long before I understood what, it, what all really went into it, of course. But at about 13, my mom got me drums and my grandpa was like, what the hell? He's not going to play the guitar now. And she's like, I, he sits up there and plays both of them all day long. So I don't know what you're talking about. And it just always was a thing that I really wanted. My, my mom tells me about me being like a toddler and uh, like voodoo by Godsmack playing and I'd be banging on pots and pans and stuff like I knew what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's a young age and it's quite a, a developing age for, for taste and passion and a hobby. So with learning instruments, were you literally, as you said, just sitting in your room playing along or did you eventually start transitioning into lessons like where did you go i definitely just sat in my room and played around until i got where i am today I, i've never had any kind of lessons or anything i've just sometimes i would um, obviously like anyone does learn from like songs that i enjoyed and stuff but by the time i was in probably seventh grade i started writing like my own songs and recording my own songs so what about yeah. what about high school? You know, a lot of listeners know that when they're at high school, they're told, focus on your lessons, focus on your, your education because you need an education, you need a career path. I mean, what were you like in your high school years? Were you f solely and purposely focused on music or did you have a path? Um, I was absolutely focused on music. Music and getting myself into trouble, but <laughs> that happens when you're a kid in small town Indiana. But, yeah, for sure. Um, the entire time that I was in high school, I, I didn't care about anything. I would literally tell the teacher that I'm not going to do any of the work. And I figured out how to put FL Studio on my student drive so I could open it on all the computers. And I would just be making making electronic music the whole time that I was in high school. I was also in, um, by that time, I was in my first band, I'm maybe even my second band. So that is all that I cared about. I think that's all my, my family knew that. I mean, it was a hassle forever trying to get me to do school stuff, but it came time when I was about 16 and I lived a couple hours away from the town that my band lived in where when I would go there, I would be in significantly less trouble because my friends there didn't suck as bad. And I told my mom, I want to move there so I can play music. That's all I want to do. And I know you know that. And she let me move there to live with my grandma. So that was a big jump start in me taking it seriously as well. Did you have a, you know, you, you're starting to get into early bands and you're purely focused on music and, you know, the passion is clearly there. The drive is there. You know, are you got a local scene around you at the time that is showing you a path that you can go with your early bands? Yeah, for sure. Um, at least when I started getting old enough to realize that shows and like DIY shows happened around where I lived or uh, not, they actually didn't really happen close to where I live, but at least the major, the capital city that was an hour and a half or so away. Um, yeah, there were a lot of cool bands in our scene that definitely made me want to keep on going. And a lot of guys that gave me like a really positive response, like, Oh, you're so young and you guys are like jamming so hard kind of thing. It's definitely a good spark. And it was, another big reason for moving to that part of the the state too, which also from that came up uh, when I moved over there, we were really close to another big town where I met like a bunch of dudes that are actually the reason that I started playing metalcore Cause I was in like a pop punk band from probably like age 13 to 16 or so. 
So that was a really good thing too, because I never saw myself really playing in bands like that. Yeah, well, it's quite a it's quite a different stylistic change, you know, pop punk to metalcore. And I mean, what time frame are we talking? Did you start getting into metalcore? Is this in the boom of metalcore when we had every and every other band, you know, doing the kill switch thing, or was this a bit, a little bit after that transition stage? Uh, definitely after more of the sceney kid metalcore at the mm-hmm. time. But I mean, I started listening to and finding those kind of bands that probably like probably about thirteen or fourteen, but never considered myself doing vocals for a band or playing guitar for a band like that until I met some some random guys and I just wound up being in their band. And, you know, some some listeners may have noticed that, you know, Mouth for War and your other band brews vocals. But at this stage, are you only drumming or are you transitioning into vocals at the same time? Oh, I actually play everything, and I, I write all the music for Mouth of War as well. So, well, um, a, mm. yeah, I just pretty much all of Mouth of War stuff is just me sitting in front of my computer for a while, and I I will write out the structures of songs, and I'll program a drum track that has like a structure. But our our drummer is absolutely insane and shreds like way over I do, to where I can just be like, well, here's what I did, and you just like do your weird shit that you do. And it, I think that's what really makes it become a whole different thing at that point. Having him come in and just switch a lot of things up that I already laid down. But yeah, I've, I've always played everything for the most part. I'd say I play guitar more than I actually do play drums. So, I mean, when did you, when did you start figuring out that you could do vocals? You know, apart from writing the music, it's something also different to, pick up the microphone because if you're as talented as you clearly are with being able to structure and write and put together music why did you decide to start doing vocals um that's actually a funny story somebody else asked me that recently um our the drummer that i was just talking about that's he was in bruise at least at the end and he's in mouth for war um he was in the first band that i did vocals in actually uh, the metalcore band that I played bass for, I did some little like vocals, like in the background, not very much. I'd, I'd yelled before and whatever, but last minute before my friend, our drummer's band went to the studio, he was like, our, our singer's just been like horrible. We're kicking out. You want to like join and come record with us this weekend? And I was like, I mean, yeah, that sounds fun. I'll give it a try. And it was kind of a disaster, but like it ended up working out really well in the end. And it, it literally just happened like that. And that's how I ended up starting brews. Like I was like, Oh, I really like doing this. I like being able to help have a part in the music, but just like be the face of the band kind of thing is really fun. It, it just happened without a plan for sure. And I mean, it's also, you know, learning an instrument is difficult unto itself, but learning your vocals as an instrument is also difficult. Are we, you using just kind of, a wing it mentality as in you just went until it hurt or were you looking into YouTube, things like Melissa Cross, like where were you with developing your vocal ability? Um, I definitely, um, when I was younger and like kind of learning how to yell and scream and stuff, just for the background kind of stuff, um, I was learning kind of the right way, I guess, or with videos and stuff. But um, when it came to like, closer to being like an adult life and joining in like a band like that I wasn't really going for any of the vocals that I had ever tried to do before I was just kind of trying to yell like 
more of a hardcore thing. So that was just a, a jump into it and try it until it hurts thing. And it, and it, it ended, ended up developing the voice that I used for brews and stuff like that over, over a while. But yeah, it definitely was. I, I woke up eight at eight in the morning at the studio already. And they were like, go get in the booth. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then I, yeah, it was definitely just a go until it hurt and see what happens with it. And you mentioned in there that, you know, the, the early metalcore bands kind of slowly transitioned you into bruise and, you know, I think it's an insult if you say bruise is metalcore, you know, it's mosh hardcore with some metalcore sensibilities or it was, and, you know, you kind of loosely mentioned it starting, but, you know, was it the whole thing, your baby idea to get bruise started? Yeah. Um, we like me and my fiance and a couple of my friends at the time we knew we wanted to start doing something different something more metallic and like being in an actual hardcore band which we had never tried before but when we started brews we when we wrote a couple songs we from a really small town in indiana all of us were like we're just going to tour this is why we want to do this and this is why we're starting this band and I think that's why things for that band happened so quickly because all of us went into it with that mentality and immediately started touring like a ton. Was the band kind of automatically noticing that the hard yards, which I think sometimes listeners maybe forget, the hard yards are essential to making a footprint, not only for the band but for you know further developments. Was that something that was easy to do for you guys from the offset? Like were you noticing that play a few shows it would get you a bigger show or was it literally a slog the whole time for the early years um it was definitely kind of a slow start but i think with all of us have been in other bands and stuff and at the time a really solid scene around us it it popped off relatively quickly after getting started once we decided to play out of state and stuff i think that it was just like kind of a smooth sailing up it was really fun to be a part of and we were all really stoked on what we did at the time you had also, you had two EPs in the early stage. You had Vicious Cycle and Wrongful Death. And what were they like for you guys? Was it really helping as well to, you know, sometimes we forget that touring is one thing, but you need something physical on the back of yourself or something for people to listen to. So were they gaining a lot of attention for you guys, even in areas you hadn't toured? Um, yeah, we we uh, had a lot of places where people were telling us to come through that we were like, whoa, what, how do these people even know who the hell we are? But uh, at the time, we had help from Little Heart Records, which is where like Knocked Loose started, Grey Haven started on Little Heart Records. It uh, was a local Louisville label, which is really close to where we lived. That kind of became like more of a home to us than Indiana did. But having a part of a cool little label like that with some cool bands, it definitely helped us like widespread a little faster. Well, the other step that would have helped was also the link up with unbeaten records on the, um, the full length grief ritual. Um, you know, at the time, how did the link up with unbeaten come about? Um, I had known of unbeaten just because no victory being on their label, which is one of the only other bands from Indiana at the time. Um, and realistically, it was just as simple as I hit him up and I was like, hey, I don't know if you've heard of us, like, but your label is really cool. We're friends with some guys in on your label and we're about to put this out. And I just sent him some songs and he was into it. And me and Buddy hit it off really quickly. And I guess he had 
been looking for a new band that had was ready to put in some work so that just happened really naturally and quickly with unbeaten and that 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 release seems like it 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 did things like it it feels like that release grief ritual was really well received and then you know kind of 2019 you know you moved and the band just kind of fizzled out um can you go into anything about like you know the band looked like it was going places and then out of nowhere the plug is pulled like that's a big move yeah that at the time that definitely sucked but it definitely worked out for the better later on um it was kind of just a lot of bad things happened to us when we were touring it made it being in this band early on really stressful uh, our guitarist decided to quit and then my fiance that played bass she said i don't really want to tour anymore and i was like well we're moving and leaving one person behind everybody else is moving i'm just going to start a new band i already have a handful of people in colorado that that want to play music with me and from there like i can say the day that i that i found out and accepted that bruise was breaking up i was already writing for mouth war i was like this is what this energy is going to go into does it feel like it was a, a, a case of a missed opportunity because i mean it's your baby and it's going places and then things you know are going against you is there a sense of you know tarnished feelings towards the end of bruise i mean um now not really but it definitely sucked for all of us at the time it was a hard thing to do when we knew that things were definitely just going to go up from there but um yeah with all of us splitting up and the way that it happened it 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 didn't take long for me to just accept the fact and get used to it and just be happy with what we got to do and how much we were able to do being from literally nowhere and knowing no one when we started but with how things have gone from pretty much as soon as we moved out here and things going with mouth for war, I'm happy that that's how it went down now because I, I could have never done this with bruise. Well, I think part of the thing is, you know, mouth for war, you know, you obviously moved to Colorado, as you said, and the comparisons are obviously always kind of naturally going to be there. But I think, you know, mouth for war is, and it's a weird thing to say, but it's way more fucking aggressive. Like, crazy that yeah. you could even... It is a strange thing to say that, you know, it's more aggressive than Bruise because Bruise was very aggressive. Um, do you think there was a lot of... What was... Basically, the question I'm asking is, what was the fuel that made Mouth for War turn into such more of an intense musical outlet? Um, I think just a lot of the growth that a lot of us had had taken on through touring and being able to see other musicians and be with other musicians um helped us develop that and and kind of just having a new plan when we went into it at the time i was just going through really bad shit and i think that's pretty much how all of my best records come out but um you can tell right off the bat the very first song that we released was about some like really really horrible stuff that happened right before we moved here and I just let it all go. I, I wanted to be a lot more angry with my vocal style and try to figure out a way to record myself that gets the sound out that I kind of sound like live because I've always had a little bit of a trouble getting that sound in the studio. And it, it just worked out really well that way. And it we were definitely trying to make it something extremely angry sounding. And that's what we got. 
Oh, yeah. And I mean, also, um, you've also, when you come into doing Mouth for War, you're obviously also taking lessons that you've learned, you know, things to do right and things to do wrong. Um, do you think that would was an essential thing for you also, the blessing in disguise of what you learned from the bruise days? Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and it's a huge reason why a lot of things for this band happened so quickly. Um, other than, obviously, Scott Lee, our manager and the owner of Love and 26, has helped us a ton right off the bat. So a lot of credit to that guy, too. But we, yeah, we knew exactly what we were doing. We knew exactly what not to do. And we came, we we're like, I have this EP written. We're going to learn the songs and we're going to, we're going to know them like nothing by the time we even play on a stage. And yeah, so How definitely used what we learned. How did the EP go for you guys? Like, were you pretty much just on the ground running straight away? You know, and the EP I'm calling, uh, talking about is an ear kept to the ground. Um, so yeah. was it was it pretty much as soon as you guys had that recorded and learnt, were you straight out on the road doing the hard yards again? Uh, yeah, pretty much. We we moved in. I got I started tracking everything myself um, for the album, as far as guitars and bass and everything. And uh, I was just waiting a couple months for our drummer to get here and move in. As soon as he got here, we tracked all the drums, sent it off to somebody, uh, Bricktop, to mix and master it. And as soon as that dropped, we went on our first tour the day that it dropped, which was the plane the whole time. And the first tour went amazing. Right off the bat, we knew that this was going to work out for us, and that's what we wanted to do. Well, the one of the problems you guys have countered is obviously – you know, you're getting out there, you're starting to grind away, and then the spanner in the work starts happening around the world where, you know, touring's not really a thing. Um, you're obviously a band that didn't let that slow down, but, you know, what was, from from your perspective, what was the initial reaction when suddenly you're working at it and suddenly it's told you're pausing? Like, was it like, okay, we'll reevaluate and work harder, or was it like, mm, damn, that's a bit of a hit? Um, it, it definitely sucked and we knew that we were taking a hit, but we didn't let it slow us down whatsoever. Um, that's partially what, what the record is about and what the title means too, because everything happened at the same time. Uh, right at the beginning of 2020, maybe a month or two before everything got cut, uh, got shut down, my sister was killed back home and that pretty much all happened at the same time we played our last show and then everything shut down. And it was, that's immediately what I put all of my, my grief and my efforts into because there was nothing else to do. I didn't have a job and we couldn't go anywhere, but at the same time as we're like, Oh, we could have been touring that whole time. There's no way that our new record would sound like it does if I wasn't stuck in here, like literally trying not to kill myself. So it's, it is a bad and a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'd, I've I'd read previously about the unfortunate um, and terrible situation that you mentioned there about your sister, and you know, you also mentioned earlier that the darkest times you seem to really create the best art, um, which is, you know, a question here is they say a, a tormented artist is the best artist. I mean, it's coming across Trey that you, you know you need to have life as a cunt sometimes to uh, produce such magic. Um, mm -hmm. But do you feel that it's hard sometimes to make yourself so vulnerable lyrically uh, for the world to know, or is it literally 
you can't see it any other way? Um, a little bit of both for sure. It's, it's really hard even to, to look at some of these lyrics and read them back to myself and like understanding the meanings of them almost again, you know? Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of stuff in there that I, I would hope that someone else might hear and it could help them going through what I've gone through. Well, I mean, 2020 is saying it was a difficult year is a bloody understatement. And, you know, in a way, is this a chapter that has to be done? And are you trying to let this chapter play out before you start the next chapter? You know, you're obviously someone that constantly writes and has got his own ability to record. Um, So when you're going through problems like this, do you record the album and then swiftly move on? Or do you let this album set and manifest before you move on? Um, In this case, we we did start writing a little bit more at the end of uh, when we were finally done tracking everything for the record. But we're definitely going to sit for a little bit. as soon as we can tour, we'll we'll be touring, which a lot of people think, I mean, it, it is going to happen this fall. Everybody's touring this fall. Um, so our, our agent's going to be working on getting us out on the road. If if this were any other time or any other year, right when we put this record out, we would have been touring. So we definitely will have to wait and sit on it for a minute to do a touring cycle and be able to play these songs for people. But we're always going to be ready for the next step for sure once we get a couple tours in we'll be coming home and and writing trying to get another ep ready or whatever yeah i mean i was looking into the lyrics of manifesting you i you know i can't imagine um the way this 2020 went for you you know musically obviously you needed it you needed music to be there um you also mentioned how dark it was you know, just you and your head kind of thing in that room. Um, I mean, how have you done it? Like, seriously, like, I, I'm, I give you props, man, the fact that we're even talking today. Clearly what you've gone through is is fucked up, and that's an understatement. Yeah, it's it's definitely been very, very hard. Always just, always just saying you got to make it through this week, you know, and that's all it is, just making it through every week until – the shit that makes me happy comes back again because that's the only thing that keeps me going. Now, when with the release we're talking about, Life Casting Glass, May 14th, I believe, um, yep. 1126 Records, I mean, there's another step in the evolution of you and your musical career in a way of saying it because you went from unbeaten to 1126, both independent, well-received, well-renowned uh, labels. Um, how'd the link up with 1126 come about and, you know, have they been very supportive of bands like yourselves during this difficult time of no touring? Oh, yeah. They're, we wouldn't have been able to do any of the shit that we did without that uh, label. I mean, I do. Uh, we track everything here and I mix it, but we always send it off to uh, Bricktop Recording for mastering. And uh, we have the two music videos that are already out and then we have one coming out uh, a week or on the day of the the album actually all of that was thanks to them they were able to to fly out our friend eric which i've known since i was in high school and it's uh, amazing that yeah, like my my band were some of the first bands that eric has shot for which he 
He does the chamber videos, boundaries, uh, lots of really cool videos. You see it's because of Eric Easter Day. And uh, it means a lot that we have a label and someone like Scott Lee to help us get him out here all the way from Philly sometimes to be able to continue to work with him because every band I've had since I was 16 has worked with Eric. So, and we've, it's, it's really also cool because we've been able to grow with him and it's, it's great, but that is definitely thanks to the label that we wouldn't have been able to afford to make any of this happen during the pandemic. Yeah. Well, it's also been important that, you know, some bands haven't been releasing music during the pandemic. Um, and obviously you needed to release it because of what you've gone through, but also I think it's important because it was another keeping the momentum going for the band. Um, what was the reception like to manifesting you and slave to your ghost? What were they like for you guys? Um, incredible, honestly. We we weren't sure what to expect during like a weird time like this, but um, we knew that we were going to go with a lot of visuals and try to push it that way because everybody's stuck in their house and that's just a good way to attach. Um, it it was received so well. We were all extremely excited. Like blew way out way out of the water what we thought was going to come from it we're excited to put out the rest and see how that goes too what's it like being a band that is always going to get um you know recalls for pantera i mean what's that like for you guys do you get do you get a little bit of uh negativity online i mean uh, online trolls um that's what they simply are we all say we don't pay attention to them but in reality, sometimes we're all suckers for them and we can't help but look at what they say. I mean, is that something yeah. you guys have ever copped because, you know, clearly Pantera callback? Um, actually, no. I, I've thought about it before, too. At, at the time that I decided that would be our name, it, uh, it wasn't like, it was just like, oh, that's cool. And I, I've liked Pantera since I was a kid. It wasn't like this band's a huge influence or anything like that, but I think that probably most people that don't fuck with Pantera don't realize that that's the song name. So <laughs> that's what I've noticed. Nobody said anything. And the people that do, they're like, oh, yeah, Pantera, dude. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> they're, they're randomly redneck about it. I mean, I, 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 I'm I old as fuck, so I mean, I knew the callback as soon as I saw it. Um, what about you guys going forward you know you mentioned touring is looking like in the fall it's coming back for you guys um are you already looking at things in the works or is it still something that isn't quite at that stage where you can start mapping out future activities um we're not sure on any specifics yet but we do know that as soon as we are cleared to hit the road one time that that's all that's going to happen we're going to fill out all our time doing that and catch up on all the places that we haven't made it to yet so in fall, everyone's going to go out and tour. So basically there's going to be an overwhelming amount of live music possibly going on. Do you think for a band in your developing stage of your career, it's going to make things a bit more difficult or better to pick your right spot, as in pick the right tour, pick the right town to hit? Um, I think in a way it's going to make it better, um, mostly just because of the people that we have on our team. I know that just like us, their goal is to get us doing anything that's going to get us a widespread and trying to get us on support slots for tours. So I think that just because we're we're really lucky to have a great team behind us, it's going to be a good thing because all the cool bands are going to tour and all of them are going to need, need people to tour with them. So 
I'm hoping that's how it goes for us. I, I think that Scott Lee has high expectations for the kind of stuff he's going to get us on. Well, I think you guys are the kind of band that, you know, stylistically you can pretty much go on any lineup. Um, and I think that's quite a unique thing nowadays also for bands. You need to be adaptable and Mouth for War and an adaptable band. You can play with the hardcore bands, the metal bands, the metalcore bands. You could even play with the beatdown deathcore bands. I mean, you're a band that can adapt. Um, and is that something you guys like that you can pretty much be thrown on any bill? Yes, absolutely. That was, I mean, not not necessarily was intentional, but it was a product of us having a lot of different influences coming into making this band. So we're we're the kind of guys that are like, oh, is that that's going to be fun? Yeah, we'll go tour with like some super metalcore band, and then when we come back home, we'll go on a hardcore tour. We we love that we're going to be able to mix it up like that because all of us like a lot of different types of music and. We like that we are not going to be glued in one spot for sure. Yeah, I think it's essential. It, it you got to be adaptable. Um, now, the the other thing that you do is sell. That's the other thing you've gone on. I mean, clearly, as listeners can guess, Trey is just someone who can't be quiet. Um, and I mean that as a compliment. Um, and sell. What's going? I mean, you, do you write music for sell as well? I mean, you clearly dip your cap in a lot of things. So, what's going on with that one? Um, for sale, um, all the structure and like guitar parts are written by Michael, which plays bass for Mouth of War. Um, but I write all the drums for sure. And that the way that me and Michael come together, he kind of does it how I do Mouth of War songs with makes a really simple program drum track. And I pretty much just like change everything when I get it in. So the, our two like styles coming together in that way is how that music comes together. And then we send it to Skyler that's in the band Omen down in Oklahoma and he'll just do vocals in like a couple of days that that EP came together in like a couple of weeks, but like from recording to finish and getting everybody down here to do a couple of videos that we were all like, man, how did we do this already? Just when, when we started talking about it as a group, it was just like, yo, let's do this song for fun. And then all of a sudden we got Eric down here doing videos for us, but, we're really stoked on how that came out too. The really good response on that one. Now with um, bands like Cell and Mouth for War and and obviously back in Bruce days, a question I had was, you know, social media is an important avenue that bands need to learn and develop and use and manipulate to their to their good. Uh, but also you need to use it in a way that you're not um, oversaturating pointless content. It's quite a difficult balance. Um, how Definitely. do you guys see social media and how do you use it to your advantage? Um, social media, especially during the pandemic, is the most important part of, of being a band right now, unfortunately. Um, but um, we definitely take using social media seriously as a widespread tool. And that's the purpose of uh, us doing a lot of visuals for this record as opposed to just dropping singles we got three videos and i feel like that's a really good tool to get people clicking on your links and stuff and that's exactly why we did that for sure it, it is important and also you, you i think it's an interesting thing that you need to post content that is relevant you can't just post a picture just for the sake of posting a picture because that will also annoy people that are following the accounts as well it's strange. It's a strange time. Yeah. 
Um, for sure. Yeah, I remember when it wasn't a thing, the whole thing for a band was getting to the press, like getting to the, the you know, zines and the magazines. That was the whole thing. Now, nah, it's not really a fucking concern anymore. No one gives a shit. Yeah, for sure. It's cool to be in magazines and stuff, but nobody actually goes and buys them for the most part. No, I mean, we don't, I don't even think we can get them here anymore. You used to be able to get them. Really? Yeah, but the thing in Australia is when you went and bought like a Metal Hammer or a Revolver or Decibel, one of these kind of magazines, we were paying triple what you'd pay in the States for the magazine. Like dedication if you wanted them so um yeah that's crazy i used to waste a lot of money on fucking magazines that i ended up fucking throwing out um which is insane now one last question i got before we look to do a fun little segment to end things is where do you you know you're a band that i'd say is hardcore so in many elements i say you're a hardcore band um but you're a hardcore band that whether people want to admit it or not there is a message in there and it's, you know, it's a dark message, but it's a message. You know, what do you think today, do you think music still has a message for kids in hardcore, or do you think sometimes it gets lost and it's all about the image and about just having a breakdown? Like, what's your feelings on music having a message? Um, I definitely think there are a lot of bands that are still working towards having a message, and that's the reason they do what they do. But at the same time, there is a lot of that oversaturation and, no filter kind of thing with a lot of people that just listen to bands because you know clout stuff kind of like you said um but i think that it's just important to try to not pay attention to the bullshit i mean i know that i know why i'm in it and i know why my band is in it and it's because i love playing music and i love being around the group of people that that aren't bullshitters you know because there are some bullshitters out there but I think it's important for the real ones to just like pay attention, you know? <laughs> also, I mean, the other thing I, I want to ask is how do you, do you know nowadays with attention spans being so short, how does a band like mouth for war and in many senses sell as well? How do you make sure that you are staying in people's attention when you release music? Is it all like you said about the visuals dropping at the right time and singles dropping the right time? Because the reason I ask this question is, Nowadays, we have Spotify and things like this. And the problem with Spotify is you drop a single, someone listens to it, they maybe don't listen all the way through it because if there's one moment they don't like, they'll switch off and then they'll listen to that indie breakdown band from Poland. And suddenly they're on a playlist listening to something else. How does a band maintain attention and reception from their fans on a streaming service? Um. Part of what you did say about using the visuals in that way, I, a lot of times I think a good way to catch attention is just picking the coolest part of the song or the video for your clip with some stuff moving on the screen to, to physically catch attention. But I think a lot of times, like, like manifesting, we, we chose that end breakdown to post as a, as to promote the thing, because somebody hears that and they're like, Oh, that part's insane. I'm going to go listen to that whole song and wait for that part to hit. But then they realize that there's parts the whole time. So, and that's, that's exactly what we're trying to do where there's no, no downtime. It's all stuff that makes you be like, Oh, what? Oh, I'm going to, Oh, okay. I'm going to keep listening. Well, I mean, it, it, I think everyone listening, you know, after this interview, you'll hear me talking about how important life casting glass is. Um, I really think everyone, if you haven't heard a single yet, you'll hear it at the end of this chat anyway, but 
get on YouTube, get on your Spotify, consume it, save the album for when it comes out May 14th, um, support train the guys and... I'm a big fan of this kind of music, but I'm also a big fan of someone like Trey who clearly has the passion, um, the integrity, and the want to do this. He's not just doing this to kill time. He's doing this because it's a drive of his. Um, So we have a lot of listeners around the world. Some are already into Mouth for War, but if you're not, this is your fucking time. As I also say to listeners, get into a band now like Mouth for War before everyone's into Mouth for War. You know, I'm one of those people that I like to find a band and then show people that band. Um, you guys are on your way, so listeners, get into this band before everyone's telling you about this band. Um, essential. And like I said, Life Casting Glass, May 14th. Now, we're not finished. We've got one thing to do. Because I got you on the show, everyone gets this segment, and it's called Pick Your Poison. And what we're going to do is we're going to find out what makes you tick. Basically... Listeners are imagining they get you as their mate for the day. We're going to hang out, we're going to eat food, we're going to watch movies and listen to music and do some random shit. But Pick Your Poison is where I give you two options and you tell me your favourite of the two. So it's going to tell me what really Trey likes in life, okay? Now, Sounds good. you don't need to justify your answer, but if you're worried about the answer you give, you can justify it. So we start off with a pizza or a burger. Burger for sure. Okay. Ribs or brisket? Ribs. Okay. Make ribs all the time. Chicken or beef? Chicken. Okay. Soft taco or crunchy taco? Soft for that one. Okay. Smooth peanut butter or crunchy peanut butter? Smooth. Okay. Taco or nacho? Yo, taco. Okay. Are you a guac man or a no guac man? Usually no guac on it. Really? Okay. Yeah, most people are triggered by that one. I'm just, I'm not big on avocados, even though everybody is right now. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. People are obsessed. We've got ad campaigns in Australia telling people to eat more avocados. I'm not even joking. They're definitely great for you. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think it needs to be on my television telling me how good they yeah. are. That's a bit fucking weird. Yeah. Um, a coffee or tea? Coffee. Okay. Coke or Pepsi? Um, I don't like either, really, but I'll say Pepsi if I had to pick. Okay, what's your soft drink of choice? Um, I typically try, I try not to drink soda, but I like Sprite. Okay, okay. Um, would you rather cook at home or dine out? I like cooking a lot. Okay. Uh, new movie comes out. You seeing it at the cinema or are you going to watch it on the couch? Uh, neither, if I'm being honest. <laughs> really? I, that's the one thing that a lot of people are surprised about. I, I really don't watch very many movies. It's like embarrassingly kind of like a weird uh, mental thing. Uh, a lot of movies like like fuck me up for no reason like really emotionally even if it's not intended to be sad like it's like a weird connection issue that i've already had or i've always had so i don't watch very many movies i don't think that's weird i think that's unique and we need more unique things so hey fucking roll with it um spend the day at the beach or spend the day at the snow the beach for sure even though i live in colorado uh cat or dog 
Um, I love both, but I'm a huge dog person. <clears throat> you got brownie points for saying that. Um, Terminator or Predator? Terminator. Okay. South Park or Simpsons? Hmm. I'm going to have to go South Park with that one. Okay. Um, now we've got some music ones. Now, this one, guessing I'll know the answer, but Slayer or Pantera? And that honestly is a pretty hard one, but I will say Pantera. Okay. Um, Terra or Madball? Um, Terra. Okay. Uh, Metallica or Megadeth? Metallica. I, I honestly can't stand Megadeth. That's one of few bands that I'll say that as far as the big metal bands. Well, that's also, um, you know, I've, I've had 160-something guests on the show and only one has picked Megadeth. Everyone has said the same really? thing. Yep, nobody likes Megadeth. I'm sorry, Dave. That makes sense. Dave Mustaine is probably tuning into every episode, forwarding to this moment, hoping someone picks fucking Megadeth, and no one's picked Megadeth. Just waiting for it. He's just hoping. Um, Cannibal Corpse or Black Dahlia Murder? Cannibal Corpse. Okay. Um, Darkest Hour or God Forbid? I don't think I know either of those bands. I mean, I've heard of Darkest Hour, but I couldn't tell you any of their songs. The other one, I'm not sure about at all. We'll just go Darkest Hour. They're, they're, they're better. Corn um, or Limp Biscuit? Corn, for sure. I, I love both, but Corn is a classic favorite of mine. Um, Slipknot or Machine Head? So Machine Head only has burned my eyes, in, in my opinion, so Slipknot for sure. Okay. Um, now, last few. You're playing a show finally when it gets back to happening again. Do you want stage dives happening or mic grabs happening? Do I want? Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm vaccinated, baby. Touch, touch all over me if you got to. I just want people to have a fucking great time. That's essential. Um, now, will you go to a show? Are you going to watch it from the pit or watch it from the sound desk? I'm going to definitely be in the pit. Um, I spent too much time at home. Um, Now, next one, you need one to go with the other, but let's imagine that they exist on their own. Would you rather tour nonstop for the rest of your life or record music nonstop for the rest of your life? That's a pretty hard one, but I probably have to go with recording music. I mean, that's that's overall going to be my career for sure, and there are things about the road that everybody hates and, and it, it takes a toll on every part of your life. But recording music is something I already plan on doing forever. So, And last one, I'm going to give you your favorite album. And the way I give it to you is the only way you can listen to it. Would you like it on CD, vinyl, or on your phone? Um, phone. Nice. Um, look, first thing, Trey... Thank you for giving me your time and your energy. Um, you know, I feel like we only scratched the surface, but it was essential. Um, I really enjoyed it. I really appreciate it. And especially when you're busy, you know, you, you got to run, you got to do work and all that jazz. So really, really, really fucking appreciate this, dude. I had a great time. Thank you for having me. Um, well, a lot of love, Trey, and um, I'll speak to you soon. Awesome. Thanks again. Peace out, man. Uh, peace, brother. 
So that was my chat with Trey from Mouth for War. At the end there, the first track you heard was Shape in the Dark. Second track was Nails in My Coffin. And the last track was I Don't Want to Feel at All. All three of those tracks come from the band's album Life Cast in Glass. Now's the part of the show where I spark that thing inside you to support the band that's been on the show. So if you enjoyed the music or you enjoyed the conversation, now's your chance. Make sure you jump online, consume it, download it, get into that discography. If you're into physicals, get online, grab yourself a CD or a vinyl. And lastly, if you're into merch, get online, cop yourself a shirt, a hoodie or some shorts. I need to take this moment to thank Trey again. Thank you so very, very, very much, dude, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. And that's it. That's the Mosh Zone, episode 165. Done, dusted, all wrapped up, locked away for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget... You can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.